When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to the Saturday Buckeye Talk Wrapping up day two of the NFL Draft Five more Buckeyes off the board. The count as it stands through three rounds. Alabama, eight. Georgia, six. Ohio State, six. Notre Dame, five. Clemson, four. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Nathan, is Ohio State having a good draft? Yeah. I think they're having an okay draft. If you had asked us this time last year, we would have said no, right? Because we thought Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis were both higher draft picks than this. Um, But considering what we knew coming out of the season, I think this is pretty reasonable to get, you know, uh, two guys in the second round, three more in the third. It's a, it's a solid draft, not a spectacular one by Ohio state standards, but not bad. You got to remember also Chris Olave, they are Munford, you know, potentially even someone like Nicholas Petit Ferrer, they could also been in the mix in the top three rounds and they're all back at Ohio state this year. I asked you if it was a good draft, and you said yes, and then you said six adjectives oh, no. that were not good. You said, ah, it's not bad. It's okay. It's not as good as we expected, but it's – it's a, so it is – Stephen, what do you think? No, wait, hold on. I said not as good as we would have expected a year ago, but that's a completely different – we have a completely different set of information now. Well, I guess the question is, what are we comparing it to what we expected – given how the season played out and given who went into the draft and didn't, or are we comparing it to sort of like the Ohio state standard, like in a vacuum, it's an NFL draft is Ohio state having a good draft. Steve, what are you going to say? No, they're not. If the, the fact that we in, and fine, you can put all the caveats, but I think anytime you have to put this many caveats on anything and somebody says, Hey, is this good? Well, if you consider this, this, and this, and this, then yeah, it's a good one. Then no, it's not good. It's average. It's an average draft. It's just okay. But it's nothing for what we've come to know about Ohio State. It's the num- numbers wise, as far as how many people have been drafted so far. Yes, but where they've been drafted, maybe some of your expectations for some of these guys and where they would have been drafted. It's just average. Right, because it's two different things. It's number of guys, and it's how high they're going. Mm-hmm. Alabama had eight of the first 38 picks. Ohio State had the number 11 pick and then didn't have another pick until number 60, right? So there is sort of a lack com- comparably to what Ohio State does of, like, top-end guys. Since they went to the modern seven-round draft in 1994, they've only had double-digit picks three other times and i think they'll get they might get it this time so that's pretty darn good on the whole but i do want to cover this and we'll get into the guys individually what do you guys think of this so so justin fields was the first 
Big Ten player off the board in this draft at number 11. Then there were eight other Big Ten players picked before we got to another Ohio State guy with Pete Werner. So it went Justin Fields at 11, Micah Parsons from Penn State at 12, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern at 13. Both those guys opted out this year. Quiddy Pay from Michigan at 21, Greg Newsom from Northwestern to the Browns at 24, uh, at 26, excuse me, Rashad Bateman to Minnesota at 27, Odafe Owe, that's Jason Owe, who is now going to go by his first name. He had previously gone by his middle name, Jason. So that's Odafe Owe to Baltimore at 31 because he said he he didn't think people could pronounce it, but now he said, the heck with it. Learn it, which I respect that too. Yeah, it's, it's your name. Go by your name. We'll figure it out. We owe that to you, your first-round pick. Rondale Moore from Purdue, 49 to Arizona. Pat Fryermuth. The tight end from Penn State, number 55 to the Steelers, and then Pete Werner, and then Josh Myers. So, Nathan, right? Like, it's just, I mean, on one hand, it's like, what do you, you're like, there's 13 other teams in the Big Ten. What's the big deal if eight guys go between Ohio State draft picks? It is a little weird to me, Nathan, that you had a draft and the first nine Big Ten guys in the draft, like there's two Northwestern guys and there's only one Ohio State guy and that they only have one of the first nine Big Ten players is, I don't know, is a bit unusual, I think, the way people would expect things. It is a bit unusual. And again, it has to be put in perspective of Chris Olave would have been in there interrupting that run to some extent. Maybe Thayer Munford. I don't know how high of a draft prospect Thayer Munford really is, but left tackles. Maybe he gets into that second, third round conversation and and interrupts some of that, too. So keeping that in mind. But, yeah, it it, it is weird. Um, you don't often see. I mean, how long you know, Northwestern having two first round picks? I mean, that alone never is almost never bizarre. Yeah. The same right. amount as Ohio so, State and Michigan combined. Right. But is it something that I read into, like the relative strength of Ohio State to the Big Ten? I mean, Ohio State was in the national championship game. Ohio State's still winning the Big Ten every year. I don't know that it is a harbinger of anything. So I think it's – no, go ahead, Stephen. It's not. It's just I think the problem is last year we had to wait four minutes between when the first Buckeye was selected and when the second Buckeye was selected because they had the second and third pick. And then also six months ago, all those Big Ten guys that you just named off, how many guys would have gone between when Justin Fields – how many of those guys would have what we have expected to go between when Justin Fields got drafted and when the second Buckeye got drafted? There's probably only two guys on that list, and it's Micah Parsons and then maybe Rashawn Slater, just because I mean all as, I mean when he got picked, all the film they were showing was him against Chase Young, which I would do that too. Yeah, hey, this is how well I played against the defensive rookie of the year. Look Chase at Young, me go. Chase Young made Rashawn Slater money. He did a lot of money by just oh getting blocked a couple of times. But that's what makes it weird. But also, as we've been talking about from a recruiting standpoint, the 2017 class hit. The 2018 class has not hit in the same way. Nicholas Petit Frere being an offensive lineman, that's a different type of development. Maybe he was going to be here for four years. But a guy like Tyreek Smith, Tyreek Johnson, some of those top 100 guys were in the 2017 class. They were out of here by year three. None of those guys are like that in 2018. So you don't have those extra three and done guys that are maybe first and second round draft picks. Five guys from that 2017 class 
have gone in the first two rounds of the draft. Mm-hmm. Chase Young and Joe and Jeff Okuda went in the first round last year. J.K. Dobbins went in the second round last year. And then Pete Werner and Josh Myers went in the second round this year. Um, Wyatt Davis didn't go that high. Baron Browning didn't go as high. They went in the third round. So that's going to be Haskell Garrett and Thayer Munford still to come from that class. So that was a 21 person class. And I think like half the guys are going to get picked. So that's going to be pretty good. It'll be interesting to assess all this stuff. I would like to come up with a formula, maybe smarter people than me already have of like taking like your two, four, seven composite rating, you know, like not the star, but like the point nine, five, six number, like figuring out what the differential is compared to the draft and then taking it and like doing some kind of division or something to your draft spot. I think what like you can you're... do is because most, I mean, they, they kind of rank you based off where you might get drafted, which is not why you're never going to see a center be the number two player in the country. So what you could do is just average, take the, the rankings of guys and then find out what that average ranking is, whether it's, you know, the seven, the 107.7 and then take the average, average draft pick of everybody in that class. And then maybe you could do it that way. Cause then you could get a, 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 kind of a clear number of, okay, this is what they were coming out of high school and this is what they turned out to be. Yeah. I think it's, it would tell you something about the programs, right? Like who's turning. Yeah. And that's what I've been talking to people. Some people at Ohio state about like the, the, cause, cause I think it's like most of the time when we talk about development and we did it, we're going to get into the players who got picked, but like, Hey, Pete Warner, that's development. Cause he was the number two seventy seven player and he went number 60. Well, you know, Chase Young being a five-star and going number two, that's also development, right? So I think like there would there would be a way to come up with a formula that is who's converting recruits into draft picks in the most interesting way, in the most productive way that accounts for three stars who become draft picks, that accounts for five stars who become draft picks, that differentiates between a sixth round pick and a first round pick. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I could do some math this summer. I don't know if people care. But I, I think you could delve into that range a little bit. So I do think it's a pretty solid draft. But the other point of this is, so there's two things here. One is Ohio State played a national championship game against a team that had eight of the first 38 picks in this draft, when in that same range, Ohio State had one of the first 38 picks. So let's take that into consideration again as Ohio State fans while it was happening and we had all the discussion on Buckeye talk, it's like, Hey, you beat Clemson. You got the Dabo monkey off your back. The Alabama game is gravy. And people kind of said that beforehand and then they got rolled by Alabama and everybody was like, my feelings are hurt. And it's like, listen, <laughs> they were as good as advertised. But part of that was, and we knew it at the time, Bama had guys come back maybe a little bit unexpectedly. I think last year's draft, for Alabama maybe wasn't quite as good because they sort of have a double stack of like, Hey, they have the guys you expected to be in the 2021 draft and a couple guys you expected to be in the 2020 draft. And Nathan, what you were saying is next year, Ohio state. We'll do this on a future podcast. Could Ohio state have eight of the first 38 picks next year? And like, if you're telling me like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Zach, Harrison, Haskell, Garrett. Maybe we're pushing it a little bit. You need seven banks to go crazy. Nicholas Petit Fair. That might be pushing it a little bit. But Nathan, to that point, Jeremy Ruckert. The 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 Jeremy Ruckert, 
the top end, right? The top end. Chris Olave should be in this draft. And I do think Chris Olave, given where Kadarius Tony and Rashad Bateman went in this draft, I I do think it's very possible Chris Olave would have gone in the first round. You know, Rondell Moore went in the second round, but I, I would compare Olave more right in the Bateman range. I think that would have uh, been possible, right? So uh, And I understand why he came back now. Because you're saying that, but also first round would have been 30. 27 but, well, but we knew that at the time i mean that's not a surprise we, he's yeah, not smith, it's just... he's not smith waddle and chase so he wasn't going to go top 10 with those he wasn't going to be any higher than the fourth receiver off the board at best yeah and next year as things stand he garrett wilson and chris olave could be the first two receivers drafted just like waddle and smith were the second and third receivers drafted this year that's not impossible nathan no not at all um, I, I think that as we've talked before, that Wilson might be the one that is considered like the better NFL prospect and, and maybe the, just the, the better higher upside prospect still at this point. That, that's not a slight of Chris Olave, but I think you're right. I think it could be he's second or third at worst, maybe behind him. Same scenario. The slot guy goes first. Just I mean, the more explosive guy. But there were yeah. a lot of people. I mean, when we were doing our Browns mock draft, Ellis Williams, who breaks down a lot of film. It was thought Devontae Smith was not only the best Bama receiver in the draft, he thought he was the best overall receiver in the draft. And so he mocked him for us. He mocked him to six. And then as Devontae Smith falls, Miami doesn't take Devontae. And listen, the funny thing about that is Miami had Alabama's quarterback. And they said, hey, Tua, you want Waddle? You want the guy who won the Heisman? Or you want the guy who got hurt? And Tua was like, give me the hurt guy. So, I mean, it's (laughs) like, you know, stuff happens. But I do think it'll be a similar conversation that Waddle is Wilson and Smith is Olave. And we've talked about that before. All right. So I think it's a pretty, and again, if here we are, it's like they have the second, they're tied for the second most picks through three rounds. And we're like, eh, eh, it's okay. I wrote beforehand that I thought Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama would compete for that. Alabama really only has two more guys who I think are going to get picked. I guess their long snapper might get picked. That could get them to 11. Georgia has like seven sure guys and then they have like five, maybe so they could get to 12. I don't think Ohio state will get to more than 10, but I think it's possible that by the end of Saturday, when this draft ends, I think maybe like Bama, Georgia and Ohio state all have 10 and they share the crown, but Bama's quality is obviously higher. So let's talk about the guys who did get picked. We'll run down in order the selections who went off the board in rounds two and three. And we'll do that next up. Buckeye talk. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU. The dog grow. The dog has grown. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's still a puppy, but he's he's getting long. He is. He, he really looks stretch long. Out. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, reviews, Apple Podcast reviews, if you want to do them, that's great. But mostly read and listen. That's kind of the main thing. Pete Werner at 60. Pete Werner at 60. We were doing videos. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're giving you like mini pods in the YouTube channel. So you don't have to wait till the morning. So we read, listen, that, and watch in that order. Is that, is that too much to ask? Come on. It's, uh, like, up, like, your whole day. <laughs> Literally. Like, well, we wrote 14 stories. We did a two hour podcast. We did seven, nine minute videos. <laughs> if you consumed all of our content, you would have to stay up till four o'clock in the morning. We decided that we flipped our Pete Werner and our Baron Browning projections. P. 
Pete Warner went 60 to New Orleans. He was the second Buckeye off the board. We predicted him to go 74, 88, and 112. Baron Browning went 105 to Denver, the last pick of the third round. We predicted him to go 59, 60, and 67. So, Stephen, as you noted, you picked an Ohio State linebacker to go 60 to New Orleans. They just took the opposite guy. Stephen, what do we think in general of Pete Warner going 45 spots higher than Baron Browning? It is a direct comparison. They were in the same recruiting class. Baron Browning was ranked higher. They have played together for three three years as starters together, basically. Pete Warner, 60, started Friday for Ohio State. Baron Browning at 105. The last pick in the third round finished it. What do you think of how that played out? I mean, if if, if you ask Al Washington, he'll say, I told you, Pete Warner's pretty good. It's I don't know if it's... Pete Warner has an element to his game that coaches have fallen in love with, obviously, that we're just not seeing here. While with Baron Browning, I think what it comes down to is Baron Browning played out of position for two years and never really got a chance to be Baron Browning, which is go be a five-star athlete and go see ball, get ball. While with Pete Warner, it was, hey, you're going to be a Sam linebacker, you're going to cover tight ends, and you're going to do that well. Mostly because in high school he was playing safety, so he to to an extent he was doing that already. So it was an easier transition for him. And then Al Washington saw something in his game that said, "Hey, you should be the will linebacker." When we all thought back in the spring of twenty twenty, Baron Brownie said it. I'm playing will. It's a more natural position. It's always what I wanted to play, which is why I was saying, "Hey, he might be the defensive player of the year because we're finally going to see Baron Brownie be be able to just be Baron Browning." And then by the time we got to the fall, all that flipped. And Pete Warner was, he excelled in that role as well. But with Pete Warner, both of them were developed into versatile, complete uh, linebackers. But with Baron Browning, it always seemed like there was something left to be desired. While with Pete Warner, it seemed like he maximized himself. Nathan, are you surprised? Listen, we watched, I mean, Nathan, you've watched him for two years. Steven, you watched him for two and a half. I've watched him for every 70. snap he's ever played. Um, I compare them to guys against themselves. I, you know, the guy that has come into my mind a little bit with Pete Warner, and I'll look up where he was drafted, is like Joshua Perry. And I'm not saying they're the exact same style of linebacker, but they were both like what I thought were like very productive linebackers at Ohio state. And like Josh Perry was a good productive player. He was never the world's greatest athlete. I think he led the national championship team in tackles possibly like he was very productive, but he got picked in the fourth round at number one Oh two, because I, I thought he was good. He wasn't Ryan Shazier. He wasn't Raquan McMillan. He wasn't Jerome Baker athletically. Right. So that's kind of where I thought Pete Warner would go. I thought Pete Warner was more like middle third round, late third round, early fourth round, like a good productive player. And then Joshua Perry, I think had some physical issues and didn't last very long in the league. And, and that's fine. But from a draft perspective, Nathan, that's a guy that I sort of had in my head that he was good, but I don't think anybody ever thought Joshua Perry should be a second rounder, but maybe we're just, it's underestimating Pete Warner's athleticism. Although clearly He's still not, we'll get to, I have the athletic testing numbers comparing him to Baron Browning. You can give an athletic testing score that's not as, as good. Pete Warner's is good. It's not as good as Baron Browning's, but 
that's, I think what I had in my head, like a productive Ohio state linebacker, but I wasn't sure about all the traits, you know? What is Pete Werner's greatest play at Ohio state? So listen, here's what, mm. here's what I can't do. I can't do this to my man, the neck <laughs> on the way out of town. But, but I, I'm not in this. That mm. isn't like a criticism. I'm just no, saying, I, but, bro, he, you're right. but it's, it, it speaks to who flashes and who doesn't and how that impression changes how we analyze guys. But at Thanks. the same time, it's almost, if you go back and watch the film is Pete Warner, even if it's no high, crazy moment that you remember on the highlight film, is it just steady? Steady production, consistent, consistent. I'm doing this every game. While with Barron, it might have yep. been roller coaster where it's, oh, I had a strip sack. Oh, I'm out of position and gave up a 40-yard touchdown. Oh, I missed a tackle here. Oh, I got a sack that was 12-yard loss. So maybe that's what it was. And maybe that's why Al Washington ultimately trusted Pete Warner to be the will linebacker over Baron Browning. And maybe that's what NFL guys saw as well is yes, the elite talent level of Baron Browning is clearly superior than what Pete Warner is. But at the end of the day, we're giving you millions and we need consistency. Yeah. I think Pete Werner's greatest highlight might be that just he's in every highlight. Like he's, he's, he's near the there. ball at the end of every yeah. play. And that has value. I think that's probably something that pops to an, an NFL coach in a way that uh, we, we maybe underestimate. So next gen stats uh, had some testing numbers on Baron Browning. They cited that he ran the fastest three cone for linebackers this year. He had the second highest vertical, the second best broad jump, and the third fastest 40 among linebackers this year. They had him as one of two linebackers in this draft class to grade out as a 99 athlete, the highest grade as an athletic score, along with Jamin Davis from Kentucky, who was a first-round pick. Zaven Collins was next at a 94, first-round pick. Micah Parsons next at an 83, first-round pick. And then Pete Werner, fifth at 82. But Baron Browning's ahead of it. So I do think it's possible that we underestimate Pete Werner as an athlete, but I also think he's just still not quite the athlete that Baron Browning is. And part of it that confuses me is sometimes the league drafts on production. Sometimes they draft on traits. I think Trey Sermon got drafted on like two games of production and a lot of traits. I just wonder what happens to Pete Warner. And listen, he it's not like he didn't play good against the, the good teams. There was a highlight reel out there, I think, on Twitter of Pete Warner of him like coming in on blitzes and slamming into running backs and like knocking them backward. And everybody was like, look at Pete Warner come in like a house on fire and blow up this running back. And it was true. He came in hard. He also still got blocked. <laughs> like it was like the, the highlight reel was like Pete Werner getting blocked. He didn't most of the time. He wasn't sacking the quarter. He like to Nathan, to your point, it's like, it's a highlight reel of Pete Werner being really physical while he gets blocked. And again, I'm being unfair. I like Pete Werner. I like Baron Browning. Like I, 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 I and I'm probably wrong, but I can't get off of it. I would, have taken Baron Browning. We all took Baron Browning ahead of Pete Warner. Nathan, you were the closest. You had Browning at 67 and Warner at 74. So you were pretty close. Steven and I both had gaps. Um, 
sometimes I think that that's true in life and it's true in football. It's like, well, if you don't, what's the thing you do best? If you do everything kind of well, when you make a leap up in talent, I don't, I don't know if it's going to cut it. I can't, we have, I'm going to edit this out. I'm going to edit this out. I'm going to put this in. Good luck, Nick. You are a hell of a football player. I mean, I don't want to do this. I'm happy to be wrong, but here's the thing too. Not every guy who comes out of Ohio state is going to be a star in the NFL. Right. So I'm, I'm fascinated to watch these two careers play out because I've been right on some guys. I've been right on some guys who were great out of Ohio state. I've been right on some guys who weren't that good out of Ohio state. I've been wrong both ways as well. I just, I just don't know if you're going to tell me that like Pete Warner is going to be a starting linebacker, like for the next six years, Nathan, I have a little bit of trouble seeing it. Landis loves him. Landis and I debate about it. I think Landis thinks I'm nuts. I personally, Nathan, have a little trouble seeing. You're going to tell me like Pete Warner is going to get to a second contract and make big bucks because he's like a really productive starting linebacker in the NFL. I don't know. And here's where draft dynamics come into play a little bit, too, because now he's going to be judged by the fact that he was a second round pick, not a third or fourth round pick. I think that factors into this, too. It it does ramp up the urgency a little bit for how quickly you develop and how quickly you make an impact at the next level and and how how much you know, it does sometimes buy you a little bit more room from a team because they're probably paying you more and you get a little bit of a longer leash. But as far as like the scrutiny that you're under, the pressure you're under, it gets amped up the higher you get taken. I definitely heard at least some people along the way I was reading. I sort of did a good, you know, a Twitter search for the name Pete Warner. There's definitely two schools of thought on Pete Warner. I mean, there are people out there like, man, this guy's a football player, great pick. And there are some people who are like, man, I watched this guy at Ohio State for three years. I can't believe he got picked at 60. And I feel like I may have contributed to at least in at least some small part to the like, why would Pete Warner go at 60 thing? And it makes me feel bad. I like him. I'm just going to say good, I'm only going to say good things. I'm only going to say good things every now and then. The next, it's a first round neck. It's a first round neck. neck. He did a video to Saints, to Saints fans. He did like a selfie video. His neck took up the whole screen. His neck was like bulging over the side of his phone. Pete but Warner's like, neck for, is already getting his second. It's already in negotiation for a second contract with the Saints. Yeah, Pete Warner obviously is not. He might you know, be a fifth option guy, but the I, neck is already asking for eighty million dollars over five years. First round neck and third round talent equals out to second round pick. I don't know what. <laughs> this is basic math. There I'm it gonna, is. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about him anymore. I'm not going to talk about him anymore because it's not fair. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve my analysis. I mean, I, I can't do this to him. I hope he's an all pro and he can, he can stick it to me and I'll see him. At I don't think we're feet. saying he's going to be a terrible pro. We're just, we didn't think he'd be the 60th pick in the draft. Had he been the 80th pick, even, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have batted an eye at it. I'd have been okay with it. It's just, he's the 60th pick in the draft and a guy we all think has a higher ceiling went 105. That's the only issue here. So let's talk about Baron Browning, even though he was the last guy picked at 105 to the Broncos. Um, do you do we like that? Does that make sense? Nathan, was it nice that he slid into the third round? He was like Mr. Irrelevant of day two. But that's kind of cool to be a third rounder instead of a fourth rounder. And see, again, this is where I think that those draft dynamics come into play, because now we look at him, you know, 43 picks later at 45 picks later. And we think, oh, that's like actually 
actually pretty good value, right? And you think of it as he doesn't necessarily have to be a three-down linebacker as the 105th pick, especially right away in his career. You find a niche that he can really exploit with the physical skills that he has. He can be a part-time player early on in his career, even if you're spending a third-round pick on that late, the last pick of the third round, a supplemental pick, kind of an extra pick, and you get like some extra value out of that. That just, it, it, it's, it, it does change how those two guys are probably going to be scrutinized by their fan bases relatively here at the start of their careers. They've definitely traded expectations, right? Because that, that how you're describing Pete Warner was how people were viewing Baron Brownie when he first got here while Pete Warner was just like, Oh, he's a guy in the two hundreds. He might be a pretty quality guy. He's a four-year guy here, maybe even a five-year guy. They flipped that now. And Pete Warner did go to New Orleans where Mickey Loomis, I'm reading what, what he's saying to the New Orleans reporters. This is uh, Mike Triplett, who's the ESPN reporter for the Saints. Saints GM Mickey Loomis said they do joke a bit in their draft room about how many Ohio State players they wind up drafting. Said a lot of it is coincidence, but it's also a great program with a lot of talented players. So while those guys still aren't there, but Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore still there. Von Bell got drafted there. Uh, Will Smith back in the day, the late Will Smith, was a saint. So there's, they have, I'm, I'm missing some guys. I think they have six Eli on Apple. the roster right now. They didn't draft Eli Apple, but I think he, he, he went yeah. through there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that that factored in a ton to it, but, um, but that's where they wound up. So, so Baron Browning to Denver, Pete Warner to new Orleans, and then two offensive line guys that were interesting. Josh Myers at 62 to Green Bay. Wyatt Davis at 86 to Minnesota. Nathan, were you surprised that Josh Myers went ahead of Wyatt Davis? Yes. I thought Wyatt Davis would be the second Ohio State player taken. That's what I had predicted. You guys were both lower on him than I was. I, I was maybe basing him more on his, you know, gave too much credence to his his 2019 production. But I, I was surprised. And when you when you factor in, though, Again, as we talked about, you get into that second, third round, even though that's still relatively high in the draft, I do think positional need can swing things a bit. And the Packers really needed a center because Corey Lindsley left. I think that probably elevated just in their minds. It probably elevated someone like Josh Myers ahead of White Davis. Steven, were you surprised? Yeah, but just because I thought Wyatt Davis was a Wyatt Davis was better at his position than Josh Myers was at his position. So I thought, I mean, Josh Myers was the second center taken off the board. I believe I thought Wyatt Davis would be the first or second guard taken off the board. Maybe Josh Myers would be the fourth or fifth center taken. So, I mean, I don't mind the fits. I don't even mind where they were. I, I just, I was shocked by that note just because I thought Wyatt Davis was a better player when you just have a best available board that you're picking from. I thought Billy Price was going to be awesome in the NFL. And he has not been awesome in the NFL when he was picked at number 21 overall by the Bengals as a center a couple of years ago. Um, I expect, I think Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis are both NFL starters. Ohio state doesn't have a gigantic history of interior offensive linemen. They had a good little run, you know, prior, I mean, Nick Mangold was a first round center back in the day and he had a really, really good NFL career. Um, Jonah Jackson, was picked higher than Wyatt Davis, which surprised me a little bit. Jonah Jackson last year won at 75. Wyatt Davis won at 86. I, th- I thought if you said, well, who would you rather have? I think I would say Wyatt Davis. But stuff happens. Nathan, uh, Steven, you made a point when we talked on the video about 
there have been a lot of guys. I think it's good that the opt-out guys weren't punished by this draft. I think there's some old school football stuff that I thought, oh, if you love the game kind of stuff would come into it, which I hate. It's like, because they're amateurs and they're trying to protect their families. And then like some old crotchety guy in a war room is going to act like they don't care about their team because they opted out in a pandemic and it didn't happen. It didn't so good. It didn't. But do you, you think maybe if Wyatt Davis had stayed opted out, he was opted out for like four days. If he had not played in 2020, would he have gone higher in this draft? Yeah, because his film one, I mean, 2019 film was one better than the 2020 film, but then you're also, as we're now seeing, giving benefit of the doubt of that's the Wyatt Davis we're getting just like with, uh, it was Rashawn Slater. It's oh, that's the guy we're getting. Oh, that's the guy we're getting with Michael Parsons. Oh, that's the guy we're getting with Jamar Chase. The same thing would have, especially with Wyatt Davis. The reason why you can compare him to those guys is his job wasn't changing. He was going to be a right guard again, where his job is to come in there and create wide open holes for running backs to run through. And what better way to do that than to have it with film who was with your running back being a guy who was also a top 100 draft pick as well. So I I think he had got the benefit of the doubt as a guy who was clearly the best guard in the country. At least he was viewed that way coming out of the 2019 season, heading into this season in a way that I don't think any other Ohio state player would have gotten that same benefit of the doubt outside of Justin Fields as a quarterback. He also would have been healthier. That was a problem for him the whole second half of the season this year. And he contributed, I think, to why that film was worse, why his grades were worse, why his performance didn't seem as dynamic to us naked eye as it did in 2019. And the NFL always wants more film and the more film they get, sometimes the more they pick you apart. So, um, you know, I think Wyatt Davis will be fine. Uh I think he's probably a little bit of a better player than this. I think he'll be a starter for a while there. And it's funny, Josh Byers goes to to Green Bay. He's going to replace Corey Lindsley, the former Ohio State center who left Green Bay as a free agent, went to the Chargers. Wyatt Davis goes to Minnesota, where Pat Alfline was starting on the offensive line in Minnesota after getting picked at pick 70 a couple years ago. He got released by Minnesota last year, wound up with the Jets. I think he's with the Panthers now. But looks like Wyatt Davis is going to slide in there Again, where they were picked, Nathan, I think they're both starters. I mean, like, no guarantee, but, you know, second and third round interior offensive linemen, there's not a lot of interior offensive linemen that go in the first round. If you're going in the second and third round there, maybe if you're a third round cornerback, maybe you're not expected to start. If you're a third round guard, I would imagine Minnesota is going to think Wyatt Davis is going to come in and get a job. Yeah, and I think, again, just sort of his his pedigree and, you know, throw out things that the all American teams, the offensive lineman of the year in the big 10 and stuff like that. Like those don't really mean anything, but like what we saw him do in 2019, I thought that was real. I thought the, the presence he brought to the field was real. And I, I, I just, I suspect that if we had gotten to see him play a full healthy season this year, we would have saw something closer to that. So I, my, I still believe that there's upside there for him that I don't think we've seen the best football white Davis has played. And not even just a healthy season, just a normal situation of a season where, you know, I I mean, offensive line is all about continuity and, you know, building chemistry. And I mean, you go from playing consistently, I think the first three weeks of the season to game gets canceled. Now you're playing again, but the next time you play, it's four different offensive linemen out there with you. I know Harry Miller was still out there, but instead of him having Josh Myers in between him and Harry, Harry and him are right next to each other this time. And then the next time they play, it's a whole new offensive line it's a different offensive line for the 
for the Clemson game, then a different offensive line for the Alabama game. It's hard. You, it's, offensive line is all about having continuity, and he didn't have that after the Indiana game, along with the fact that he wasn't healthy. Our jobs are weird, and I think about this stuff sometimes. Two years ago, I looked at Pete Werner and said, your neck grew. And tomorrow, Pete Werner is going to be on the cover of the sports section of the New Orleans paper. It's a gigantic photo of Pete Werner sticking his face mask in Trevor Lawrence's back. And it's like that guy. I was so disrespectful. I was just like, hey, Pete Werner, just, you're just like a regular person, just like me. I, I feel free to comment on your neck. And now like an NFL franchise, like put its fate in the hands of Pete Werner. And they found a picture of him sacking the number one pick in the draft, put, put on the front page to get like a whole city fired up. I think Pete Werner should absolutely beat the living snot out of me. I think that's probably this is the way this needs to end is Pete Warner just needs to come to my house and just take me out in the backyard and end me and just be like, you never got it, man. You never got it. Could you just get signed to the Saints practice squad? Ooh. Like a long snapper? Yeah. A like, live no, long no, snapper. a long snapper. He's not going. No, you need to go be like George Plimpton and, yeah. and, and get paper tigered and, and he'll just go out and rip you in half. What was his response? I don't because I wasn't over at that table with you when you said that to him. Your neck. I think he said thank you. I think he was appreciative. <laughs> what do you say? No, 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 no. Actually, no. This is probably what he said. Um, thank you. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what else to say to that. I mean, listen, I'm not making stuff up. Go look at his neck. Go look at the. Go on Twitter and look at his video to the Saints. I, I mean, I don't think if if he hadn't done neck workouts, I don't think he's a second round pick. I don't think he would be. I mean, his athletic profile is good, but Nathan, I can't remember what you said on a video and what you said on this. Did you say it on here? First round neck, third round talent. So he's a second round yeah. player. First yeah, round was neck. Just a couple minutes ago. So we're doing the the other uh, the the for the Friday podcast. We did it in the morning, and now for the Saturday podcast, we're doing it at night. So it's almost one o'clock in the morning, and we're like, I'm delirious. So I think people like it when we get delirious sometimes. All right, so Pete Warner and Baron Browning are an interesting comparison. Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis are an interesting comparison. And Josh Myers is going to go snap to Aaron Rodgers, Stephen. He's going right into the belly of the beast. And, like, it's going to be one of those things where, like, Aaron Rodgers is going to be, like, after practice in mini camp, he's going to be like, I can't believe they didn't trade me, man. I can't. And Josh Myers is going to be like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, I, what are you supposed to say? Like the quarterback in the center walking off the field. It's like, man, Matt LaFleur, I hate that guy. I hate the GM here. And Josh Myers would be like, yeah, man, me too. And Aaron Rodgers like, hey, man, you want to go get a hamburger? Josh Myers would be like, cool, cool, cool. And then Josh Myers is going to go home and be like, what is happening? Nathan, you're in with the Myers family. I want all the dirt. Try the text at 614-350-3315. This offseason, it will be 40% of it will be Aaron Rodgers' dirt. Straight from Josh Myers to Josh Myers' family to Nathan to Nathan's fingers to the texts. We're going to break. When Aaron Rodgers like quits football to be the Jeopardy host, we're going to break it on text because we're linked to the Myers family. Nathan, can we, can we promise that? Can we deliver on that promise? I mean, what's ever stopped us from just you know, making it up as we go along? So 
<laughs> Yo, <it's, laughs> what well, might be, it's not funny, but it's funny. If the final straw is if they're in mini camp and Josh Myers just has a bad snap, right? But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is already, he's on his last leg. He doesn't actually want to be here at all. He's really annoyed that they haven't traded him yet. He's, what am I doing here? I swear I will retire right now. And then the ball sails over his head. And he's just like, that's it. Helmet off. I'm out. I'm going home right now. And he just never shows up. And that's what, and that's the story. Why a bad snap from a rookie center was a fi- final straw for Aaron Rodgers and why he retired. It is crazy. Like these guys, like, listen, listeners, you, you know, these guys, you feel like, you know, these guys, they're college kids, right? We just go and we talk to them. They're like normal people. Still, even though they're at Ohio state, they're still normal people. And then like in the snap of a finger, they're millionaires and they're professionals and they're playing with guys that they've idolized. I can still remember Anthony Gonzalez when he got drafted by the Colts talking about like going to Colts camp with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning being like, all right, do you like, do you know all your routes? And Anthony Gonzalez like, oh my God, I think I do. And like Peyton Manning was just like, hey, rookie, like, let's go. And Anthony Gonzalez, who was like the most prepared dude in the world was like, oh my God, what am I like? It's, it's Peyton Manning. And then, you know, when Anthony Gonzalez like wanted to get into Stanford Business School, like Peyton Manning wrote him a letter of recommendation. So like it all worked out, you know, now he's in Congress. It's all good. But it is weird that like, you know, Nathan, you've been talking to Josh Myers and his family. He's just a guy. He's just a man. He's just a man. And now like what happens with Aaron Rodgers is like literally the number one thing happening in the NFL right now. And Josh Myers just got drafted to go be the guy that Aaron Rodgers puts his hands behind every day. And he's just Josh Myers, man. He's just a guy. It's weird. It is a little weird. It is a little weird. And I think it's unfortunate in some ways that like probably not everybody he meets for the next couple of weeks. Like you're so excited to tell people, oh, I'm a, I, I got drafted. Like I'm, I'm going to go play for the Packers. And the first thing they're going to ask is not like something about you. It's going to be like, wait, so are you going to get the snap Aaron Rodgers? Like, what's going on with that? Like, yeah. is, is he going to be there? Like, I feel like that's going to be the, the narrative he has to try to answer on a daily basis now until it gets I, – I think Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers, but we'll see. Football is weird because you don't actually ever get to go up against the people you idolize and model your game after, you know? Because, I mean, like Jeff Okuda said he models a lot of his game after Stephon Gilmore, but he and Stephon Gilmore are never going to be on the field together. You know, so it's 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 weird that you don't you go up, you're on the field with your yeah. idols, but you really aren't ever on the field with your idols. You can swap jerseys after a game, though, maybe if you get to play against them. That's true. I saw Corey Lindsley in a chain restaurant in Columbus one time after he'd been in the NFL like two or three years or whatever. And it was like, hey, Corey Lindsley's like, hey, man, how's it going or whatever? And then it's like, it's like, aren't you a millionaire? Like, why are you eating at a chain restaurant in Columbus? Aren't you a millionaire? It's weird to talk to millionaires because we're not millionaires, right? Not yet. We're not we're not millionaires yeah. from this podcast, especially not this episode. All right. You so once, once your this book might, hits. Yeah, this this might be it. This might be the thing that takes off. It's just book I talk after dark, after we're all confused why Trey Sermon's the eighty yeah. eighth pick in the this, draft. <laughs> this lousy podcast will be the thing that we cash in on. Yeah. I, I had to write my acknowledgments. For the book on oh, Friday, what's it? You guys are in it. You guys, hey, are in it. Yeah. and so are the 
the Buckeye Talk listeners. Oh, just because I want you, just because I'm kissing your butt, yeah. so you buy it. <laughs> and write this. The first time I thought kissing I had a book- your butt, so you'll buy it. Buckeye, Buckeye. Talk. <laughs> oh okay, man, NFL draft. Come on, come on. I don't even know. I can't even remember anything. I got uh, three and a half hours. Sermon. We got to talk about Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's our last guy. I think, our J- Jamie, our our assistant sports editor who who edits our work, like sent me a thing today. I wrote my Justin Fields story this morning after three and a half hours sleep, and he sent me a thing. And he sent me a note. He's like, "Hey, I just fixed a couple things in your story," and it was like a list of like eleven things. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like yeah, factually incorrect. Very- it was sentences that didn't make sense, and he was like. I'm guessing you didn't get much sleep. And I was like, eh, it wasn't a lot, man. <laughs> it was like, I was trying to make a point and I was using examples and I missed like four examples of my thing. So anyway, if you read my first version of the Justin Fields story, it was a little rough. Um, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Trey Sermon karate kicking NFL defenders in the head. Next up, Buckeye Talk. All right, so the fifth Buckeye drafted on Friday the sixth buck I drafted overall at number 88 to the San Francisco 49ers, much higher than we expected. Steven had Trey Sermon going 114. I had him going 137. Nathan had him going at 161. This is just a little confusing to me that it's, it, he had two great games at Ohio State, and they were amazing games. But the consistency wasn't there, Nathan. He had injury issues at times at Oklahoma. He left Oklahoma kind of because he got beat out at the end of his career there. I thought sometimes his good games there were against tired Big 12 defenses in the second half. He also had some highlights. He's a highlight guy, right? Like Trey Sermon's upside is there. But when you look for it game after game after game after game, it's not there. 88 to the Niners, because listen, the Niners were hurt as heck last year. They were the most injured team in the NFL. They go Trey Lance at quarterback. Their defense is going to get healthy. They like want to go. Now, I don't know whether they're going to play Jimmy Garoppolo or they're going to play Trey Lance this year, but like, the, you know, they want to improve their run game. Like they want Trey Sermon to help them. It just felt uh, to me, it felt a little early at 88, Nathan, and it was much earlier than any of us projected. Yeah, I sent you guys a text from one of my best friends who's a 49ers fan, and he uh, he he checked it. He was not a fan of the Trey Lance pick. He wanted to take Justin Fields, so he tried to send me a text being like all snarky about, hey, you know, it would have been f- great for them to put with if you're going to take Trey Sermon, and he was trying to make a point about Justin Fields. I said, like, oh, you mean like a better running back? Like, wouldn't that have been a better thing to take with Trey Sermon? And he's asking me questions like, well, but he's fast, right? And I'm like, well, not, not really, like <laughs> – uh, so I don't know. I, I it's I, I'm very confused by someone when they when you have this much proven inconsistency. And I don't know what other word to use with him, but it, it it was what we thought they were getting with him from Oklahoma. Right. We heard that they were flashes, but he never really did it consistently. And then that's exactly what his Ohio State career was, just because it was a lot of nothing early on and then a big spike at the end. That to me is still a consistency inconsistency and early on this year i mean this past season we the, the lack of vision the inability to kind of hit holes i know he's coming off an injury it's a new offense but he just seemed so hesitant it wasn't running with confidence and then it just sort of snaps in together in in just this flourish and and how much are we supposed to take from 
just those two games. I just it it it, it surprises me that in this era of the NFL when running back is such a secondary position and one that people don't spend draft capital on that someone would spend this much draft capital on Trey Sermon. Can you really call yourself fast when your quarterback hawks you down after he handed the ball off to you and started off 40 yards behind you and then blocked the guy and still passed you into the end zone? So basically, Justin should have just held on to the ball and had himself his own 60-yard touchdown. But, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I said it in the video and I said, no, I just don't know what to make of this pick. I, I mean, they've got, a, they've got a, 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 big, a large room of running backs, and he can just be one of those guys in the room. He's not going to be a bell cow there, and maybe that's what they're banking on is that somewhere midway through the season, he explodes and has a crazy game. But for the rest of the season, he's just okay, and that's fine within their running back room. Twitter likes it like there's not I'm just I'm just like rolling through here. There are not a lot of 49ers can fans complaining. There are a lot of draft analysts that really like this pick. It's obviously a very traitsy pick. Um, it's an upside pick. And how about this stat? Now, listen, J.K. Dobbins went at number 55 in the draft last year. But J.K. Dobbins last year was the fifth running back taken. Trey Sermon this year was the fourth running back taken. Now, you know, it's also 33 picks different. But that felt to me like there wasn't the top three guys. Here's the thing. Everybody knew Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams were going to be the first three running backs taken in this draft. And Harris and Etienne went in the first round. And then Javante Williams went early in the second. Somebody traded up to get him. And then there was a big gap before the next running back. And I think anybody who wanted a running back got antsy. And I think it wasn't a great running back class. And then it's like, well, I don't know. Should we take the guy who ran for 193 yards against Clemson? Should we, should we take the ninja? Should we take the big 10 championship game ninja? I think there's some guy from Memphis you could have taken. It's like, well, in that scenario, I guess you take the ninja. I do think Trey Sermon was helped by who else the options were, where teams were. And if the Niners wanted a running back at 88, I'm not saying that they should have taken a different running back. I'm just saying maybe don't take a running back. But if you want one, he probably was the best choice. Yeah, I suppose, like I said before, like positional need and positional scarcity can can swing some things. And, and you'll see people reach for guys that um, on talent or production alone don't seem to merit that spot. Um, I, I, but I just, I, I think there, I, I mean, I didn't analyze every running back in the draft. I would just think you're probably going to find some guys with maybe even more upside than, than Trey Sermon, just because I feel like he was in two offenses to, to show that kind of upside. And other than these two games and just flashes at Oklahoma, like he just never put it together consistently. So are you spending a third round pick on a sort of a part-time guy? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm this is the one. Yeah, this is the one pick amongst Ohio State people because I don't care about anybody else. Amongst Ohio State people, where I really wish I knew more about the team that was picking him and what their needs were, because I feel like if I covered the 49ers, I would have looked at that pick. And I know you're saying people are, they like this pick, but I, for some reason, I just feel like I would have looked at this picking and, and went. Why would you take that when we needed a corner or a safety or a guard or a linebacker? I just feel like we needed this and this is what you gave us. I, I don't know. That, that's why I, I'm really skeptical about this. 
Last year in the NFL draft, the first three rounds, 11 running backs in the first three rounds. This year in the first three rounds, four. Scarcity at running back helped Trey Sermon a lot. So listen, I don't want to be, but here's the other thing too. I mean, and this is, I mean, this is the new world and we all have to get used to it. And I'm still adjusting the transfer portal. It's like, Hey, congratulations, Ohio State, on the great thing of the guy who played five games. <laughs> That's a Buckeye. And he counts. I almost think like we have to come up with a better way to count. Like who gets credit for a pick? Honestly, right? And like we're sitting here saying like, hey, Alabama had eight guys picked and Ohio State has six. It's like, well, is Trey Sermon an Ohio State guy or an Oklahoma guy? So, I mean, it's I mean, that nobody cares about that. But is Russell Wilson a Wisconsin guy or a North Carolina State guy? It's always like Wisconsin, no, like care. Russell Wilson. And it's like, okay, well, congratulations. You had him for a year. Everything else, his whole life was at North Carolina State. And you were like, I will take him for a year. So you care because, I mean, Ryan Day brings up Joe Burrow's name every single time he talks about quarterbacks. And that man never started a game for Ohio State. So there's got to be a combination of, okay, credit that he was in your recruiting class, but you developed him. There's got We got to separate this. It's got to be two separate lists. It's got to be you know, what your recruiting class turned out to be regardless of where they, they did it at, but then also who actually developed the guy into an NFL player. It is interesting. We'll end with this. Guess what worked? Trey Sermon transferring to Ohio State. A, as much as we're saying he only had two good games at Ohio State, I guess they beat Clemson without him because Justin was kind of already going nuts. But he certainly did help him when it mattered, right? And if Trey Sermon stays at Oklahoma, is he the fourth running back taken? Is he a third round pick? I mean, I I don't think so. Like it, it it's a it's a mutually beneficial association that in this world it is an example of player need opportunity, some level of production. Everybody wins. And the next time that Ohio State wants to go get a transfer, they can point to Jonah Jackson, third round pick. They can point to Trey Sermon, third round pick. They can point to Justin Fields, first round pick. They have certainly had success with some of the guys who have done well at Ohio State when they didn't get recruited here. Which brings us to the linebacker room. And as Nathan already wrote about the one-time chat and what's going to happen with Henry Toa Toa, we've seen it twice now with the plug-and-play guy. You know, and is that guy going to be next? Okay. I think we're tired. We'll come back and we will have a Sunday podcast that wraps up the entire draft. Sean Wade's still on the board. He's definitely going to go. Tommy Togiai's still on the board. He's definitely going to go. Um, Jonathan Cooper, Justin Hilliard could go maybe Luke Farrell has an outside shot so we will cover that and then we'll get into next week and we won't be talking about the draft anymore we'll be talking about what's going on with the Ohio State football team and figuring out some other stuff but for now that is your day two wrap again Pete Warner at 60 to New Orleans Josh Myers at 62 to Green Bay Wyatt Davis at 86 to Minnesota Trey Sermon at 88 to San Francisco Baron Browning at 105 to Denver. Make sure you read cleveland.com slash OSU. Talk to you guys for the big Sunday pod for now. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.